Welcome to the Chase Podcast. Dr. Ron Charles is a renowned archaeologist, author, historian, speaker, missionary, and is known as the Christian Indiana Jones. Dr. Charles has spent over 50 years researching and uncovering truths about Jesus Christ and information that proves the historical authenticity of the Bible. Gleaned from his years of tireless research, ministry, and archaeological work as the pages of the Bible come to life like never before. Visit cubitfoundation.org for Dr. Ron's books and information about this global ministry. Hello, I'm Dr. Ron Charles, and thank you for tuning in today. You know, the uh, one of the greatest uh, men who uh, ever governed the nation of Judah, uh, and the, as far as the Jewish people themselves, was a man by the name of Hezekiah. Word of God tells us that there never was a man before him or like him afterwards with the dedication that he had to the Lord. And he was, a, uh, he was an astounding uh, man who, uh, who did great things for God at a time where he stood alone uh, for all practical purposes. There was a, this was a time where the Jewish people were divided into uh, two kingdoms. You had the kingdom of the north, which was the kingdom of Israel, and the kingdom of the south, the kingdom of Judah. Hezekiah was the, uh, was the leader, was the king of Judah uh, during this unfortunate time of, of, uh, of division. Now, the kings of, of uh, Israel were all uh, non-followers of the Lord. And they were all just, um, uh, they didn't acknowledge the Lord as being God. In fact, many of them uh, went into the worship of idols and into idolatry. Uh, Hezekiah was different. But because of their wickedness in the north and in, in the kingdom of Israel, then uh, there were many prophets that prophesied to these people saying that judgment is coming. Get your act together because things are going to start happening. Now the capital of Israel, the kingdom of Israel was Samaria. The capital of Judah was Jerusalem. Then in the year 724, the king Shalmanazar of uh, Nineveh, the, the Assyrian emperor, uh, said that uh, it's time for us to conquer the world. Now the Assyrians were the most ruthless warriors, the most ruthless people who ever existed. From this time back and probably from this time forward, there was no one who was more barbaric, no one who was more uh, cruel in their treatment of prisoners and treatment of people than the Assyrians were. The, uh, they're the ones that uh, invented filleting of the, the skin. They invented skinning. They invented um, placing prisoners on, uh, on sticks, um, uh, pointed sticks. And it was, uh, it was a time of, of horror. And uh, Shamanazar said he's going to conquer the world. And he did. He went out. He conquered what is now Turkey. 
He talked, he went to the east and went as far as uh, what is uh, now the Indus River and the, the Persian Gulf and the Caspian Sea region. And then he turned his attention to the west and he conquered what is now uh, Syria. And then he invaded the country of Israel. Now in Israel, they, uh, they tried to, uh, uh, to pay him off and, and say that, you know, we'll give you gold and silver and such. And um, he said, okay. And so after they gave him all the riches of the land, he invaded them anyway and uh, put them all to death. Uh, the ones that, that surrendered, he picked out a few, 22,000, that he took back to Nineveh with him. But the rest of them were destroyed. Now, the next thing on the agenda for Shemanazar is the conquest of Jerusalem and the conquest of Judah. Hezekiah was, uh, had just become king and Hezekiah stood up and he says, no, we're not offering terms of surrender. We will stand against you. Shalmanazar says, okay, if that's the way you want to play the game, this is what's going to happen. We are going to sweep all the way around your country and we will conquer everything to the north, to the south, to the east, and to the west of you and you'll be totally and completely isolated. No friends, no allies. And then after that happens, then I will invade your country and I will destroy all of your cities, all of your villages, all of your towns, and then I will approach Jerusalem. And you will be isolated in the world against our mighty army. And so this is exactly what happened. In the midst of this is when Hezekiah uh, receives uh, two different messages that were seemingly impossible, but were exactly what was going on in history. Let's back up a little bit first to the destruction of uh, Israel and Samaria. They... Uh, the king of Syria and the Syrian army, they would behead many people and made, uh, actually they made uh, pyramids of, of heads of people that had been uh, beheaded. And they also would put people on, on stakes, on, uh, uh, impale them on, on uh, sharp wooden stakes. And by the time they hit, um, uh, by the time they hit uh, Samaria in the kingdom of Israel, they had already placed more than one million people on these stakes. And historians tell us at that time that as you travel from one area to the other, it was you would never go any distance without seeing some people that were impaled. All the way from what is now India, to what is now the nation of Israel, you could not travel without seeing at least one example of impalement. They said that the land stunk and the land was, uh, was filled with rotting flesh 
and still with a, filled with the, with the smell of this death. And it continued to go on. These people were not taken down from these uh, uh, from these uh, impalements. They had to, the flesh just disintegrated and rotted while it was while it was being uh, uh, hung up there. Now, what Shalmaneser did is that he destroyed uh, Samaria, took back uh, twenty thousand plus captives into Nineveh. Uh, for to help with their uh, slavery, uh, slave labor, and then he continued on his conquest of bringing the, the nations of the world under the control of Assyria. But then this event happened with Hezekiah, and he says, "No, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to surrender to you." At that time, it's very near that time that Shalmaneser died. His son, Sennacherib, then took over his place, and Sennacherib continued with the same policy. His army of 338,000 people, uh, men of war, invaded what is now what was Philistia. And uh, they invaded what uh, was Egypt, and they took control of Egypt. And, they took control of the land all the way down into Sudan and Ethiopia. They turned backwards and worked back to the north and took control of what is now Saudi Arabia, what is now Iran and Iraq, and uh, uh, what is now Oman and Kuwait and those, and those areas. And before long, and it was just exactly like he had told, like his father had told Hezekiah, you will become surrounded, you will be cut off. Finally, after the fighting was finished of the surrounding, Israel was indeed surrounded. The Assyrians to the east, to the west, to the north, and to the south controlled all of that region. Hezekiah could stand on the walls of Jerusalem and he could look out and could see the flames of the fires uh, springing up all over his nation. And before long, then Sennacherib began to lay siege to Israel or lay siege to Judah. And he destroyed 48 cities in the nation of Judah, the kingdom of Judah. He destroyed an additional 65 villages and towns. And there were over a million people who had died in Judah by the time the, uh, the very first instance of, uh, uh, of encouragement came by way of the prophet Isaiah, who was at that time in Jerusalem. The king of uh, Sennacherib would say, just look out. Look out on your walls. As far as you can see, there are forests of people that are being impaled. There are forests of people who, uh, who uh, are, are living and rotting. And there will never be any, uh, any reprieve from this, Hezekiah. You, you are destroying your country. Finally, with each day that Hezekiah 
got to the walls and looked out over the walls of Jerusalem, the armies of Syria, of Assyria, got closer and closer and closer. Finally, he saw the armies in a distance and they were indeed surrounding, totally and completely surrounding Jerusalem. Hezekiah had, uh, was keeping the morale of the people up as much as he could. But then Samuel, or then uh, Isaiah the prophet came to him and he says, Hezekiah, be it good cheer because I got something to tell you. And Hezekiah uh, listened and the scripture that we want to refer to is the 54th chapter of Isaiah. And this is what it said, a very familiar verse of scripture. Behold, I have created the smith that bloweth the coals in the fire and that bringeth forth an instrument for his work. I have created the power to destroy. No weapon that is formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue thou shalt rise against thee in judgment thou shalt condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. Now one of these times that Isaiah or that Hezekiah went on the walls and looked out and Jerusalem was totally surrounded by this huge, huge Assyrian army. Uh, he still trusted in God, but then one morning he woke up and there were weapons that were out there that had never been used before, had never been invented before. And this was the very first time in the history of mankind that these two weapons came into existence. One was the siege tower. This was a large tower that could be pushed up to the walls and then the, the soldiers could just jump over the walls through these towers. And the other one was the catapult. That was the one that had, that would take rocks and throw them with a, uh, with a catapulting action. And uh, they, these had never been invented before, never been seen before. And now this was what Hezekiah looked at on this morning when he went and looked and see what was the, uh, what was the fate of his people. His heart melted and he said, how can we fight against this? These weapons have never even been invented before, but yet they're invented against us. How can we withstand? How can we do it? How can we be uh, able to uh, defeat this enemy with these new weaponry? And that's when Hezekiah was given these words of wisdom and words of challenge and words of comfort from Isaiah the prophet. He said, it doesn't matter if you've never seen them before. Doesn't matter if you've ever thought of them before. These weapons have never even entered into the mind of men until now. But Hezekiah, I am God. 
I created that enemy out there. I created the intelligence that they have. I created them and gave them the knowledge to make these things, to make these weapons. And because I gave them that, then I have the ability to neutralize them. So take heart because there is no weapon that is formed against you that will prosper. And I will make a way for it to, to take place because I am with you. You will not fail. I am with you. You know, in our lives today, many of you may have had difficulties with the powers of the enemy, difficulties with um, uh, anger, with, uh, with different uh, uh, emotional outbursts, or uh, perhaps with uh, sickness, with, or with things that just didn't go right. And you say, all of the imps and the demons that have ever been uh, created have been uh, released upon me. And it may feel that you have just almost collapsed under that, but you have withstood. You're still standing after the battle. You still have the ability to go to God. You're still holding on to Him. And your enemy just shakes his head and says, I've thrown everything at them. But they're still holding on to their faith in God. And then the enemy says, okay, I will make something. I will manufacture something that is specifically made for them. Specifically made to destroy them is specifically made to bring them to their knees in that they will turn their back on God and be willing to do anything to get out of the horror that I'm going to inflict upon them. And some of you may be in that position. You've withstood against the greatest things that Satan has thrown against you, but now you feel that he has invented something specifically for you, specifically to fight you, specifically to discourage you, and to come against what God has planned for you, has commanded you to do, and has instructed you to fulfill. And these weapons are specifically made for you, but you can take the word that Isaiah said to Hezekiah, for your own word, for your own comfort, and for your own uh, peace, when he says this, there is no weapon that is formed against you that will prosper. Emergency officials in Puerto Rico say the island has been destroyed. The storm knocking out power everywhere. Hurricane Maria laying waste to this once tropical paradise. Roads now deserted. Signs that life here has come to a complete standstill. Hey, I'm Brad Charles with Cuba Foundation. Uh, we're here in a community, uh, it's called La Hormiga, which means the ant.
La Hormiga is a small community located in northern Puerto Rico. It's a humble place where there is great need. I'm here with a bunch of friends of mine from a church, uh, Watkinsville First Baptist. My name is Vic Doss. I am the college pastor at Watkinsville First Baptist. And I am here with 15 college students uh, serving alongside the Cubit Foundation in a community called La Hormiga. And we're just here to love and serve uh, the people of Puerto Rico. This community got hit pretty hard. Um, these, most of these people in this community um, are squatters. And so when FEMA, the organization FEMA comes through, if you have a title of your land, um, they will help you more. If you don't have a title of land, if you're a squatter, then you don't get much help. Six months have passed, and there is still so much that needs to be done. So that's exactly what Brad Charles and the Cubit Foundation are here to do. Brad loves marginalized people. Uh, he's great with people. He's great at what he does. Uh, I knew if we were going to do disaster relief, any kind of construction thing, I wanted Brad with us. So we're here helping this this one guy in particular putting a roof on his house. Um, he has diabetes. Um, he's lost a lot of his fingers, his toes. There's another lady up the street. She's a single mom, two kids, um, patching holes in her roof, um, putting some new tin on, fixing a window, just little things like that. When Maria hit in September and we started seeing video footage of what had happened to Puerto Rico, there was a deep need, obviously, uh, Category 5 hurricane hits. A lot of destruction, people without power. Eager to get started, Cubit and the team prepare to do whatever they can to repair some of the damage. And with help from locals as well, all the right people came together to make this project happen. Mi nombre es Benjamín Sánchez Maldonado. Soy eh, pastor de la Iglesia Cristiana Casa de Bendición y trabajo en la comunidad, en esta comunidad en Puerto Rico. One of the local churches uh, has targeted that neighborhood uh, just to reach into it and to love on it and, and to get the gospel in there. And so that was exciting for us that there would be a local church so when we left, there would still be a presence here spiritually. Once all the details were in line, it was time to get to work. All of us have a role. And no matter how you help, trust me, it all adds up. Cubit uses trips like these in order to be able to service those that are in deepest need, helping them both physically and spiritually. The physical and the spiritual need are hard to separate. And so the beautiful thing about Cubit is you're meeting physical needs and because the local church has come alongside, uh, there's, there's always going to be the ability to, to step into that and meet the spiritual needs and, uh, and to love people uh, through the gospel and explain to them the only reason we're here is because Jesus has, has saved us and brought us into relationship with him and he commands us to go to the least of these and to, 
meet those needs. My favorite thing that we've done so far is walk around in the neighborhood to do surveys just to meet the people and hear their stories and assess the damage and see what needs to be done by later teams and just talking with these people and asking them if they needed prayer, if they wanted us to pray with our team when we got back to the house. They got emotional almost every single time and it was so cool to see that they just wanted someone to listen, to show that they cared, to show that we were praying for them um, and for them to just feel that God loves them and for them to see that in a unique way was the biggest blessing for me and I think for a lot of people on the team. All the support behind the Cubit Foundation is what makes this possible allowing them to restore hope not only to people of Puerto Rico, but across the globe. So from a real young age, um, I've always had a kind of burden to help uh, real poor folks, people that are down on their luck, just and they have nowhere else to turn. And so this is why I do what I do. Um, God put something in me, um, especially in the Hispanic culture. But um, I mean, we we help I help people all over the world. But um, it is our job um, to help others, to help widows, to help orphans, um, help guys like this guy that he's lost his hands and feet um, that can't do anything. Um, so I would encourage every person out there to use the gifts that God has given you. It doesn't matter what you got. Everybody has gifts. Everybody's good at something. Um, please use it. Um, God's given you all kinds of talents. So, I appreciate it. I wanted to thank everybody that gives so much to the Cupid Foundation that supports me, supports my, my mom and dad. Um, it means a ton. It means a ton to everybody we help um, all over the world. Um, we could not do it without you. Um, Dios te bendiga. Hi, I'm Dr. Ron Charles of the Cubit Foundation. You know, we've been in Middle East for going on 30 years. And I would love to come to your church or your meeting to let you know what's happening uh, in reality in the Middle East. And uh, we'd love to come there and let you know what's happening, what the Lord's doing in that part of the world. So if you can contact us at thecubitfoundation.org that we could come to your place. And if you would like to find out more about us, then go to www.cubitfoundation.org. Thank you. The Chase with Dr. Ron Charles is sponsored by supporters of the Cubit Foundation. Visit cubitfoundation.org for Dr. Ron's books, and discover how you can support this global ministry.